that other side of the break stuff is all Radio Walker coming out. I need to cut it out. This is podcast, buddy. I know. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Looking yesterday in preparation for the Hornets and Golden State game, I was looking at the tickets and how much they were going for all the way out there in Oakland. And the cheapest ticket that you could get was $99. And that was compared to the Hornets next game at home against Indiana. The lowest ticket you can get is $4, 18, 13, and so on and so forth. It was $99 yesterday. Doug, you know what it is today? 59 dropped 40 bucks. Wow. 59 still more than any of the other lowest priced ticket uh, tickets that we can see. But still, man, it's 59 dropping Steph Curry, of course, breaking his hand. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be out yet. So it's going to be Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, and a bunch of people, probably the casual NBA fan has never heard of suiting up against the Hornets. I, there's no way the Hornets are going to be favored. I, I haven't seen a line on this game, but I look it up. I, you you look at the Hornets going up against Golden State. Golden State's in a bad way. We had Bobby Marks on the wake up call yesterday. And remember, Bobby was the guy out in front of this. He was the one that said Golden State is not going to make the playoffs. And that served as the talking point for a lot of different national shows to discuss. Is Bobby Marks crazy? Is Golden State going to make the playoffs? They still have a bunch of all NBA players like a Clay Thompson who would come back potentially at the time we were having that discussion. Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, that's still a solid core of players. Is Bobby Marks crazy? Sure enough, you have them getting destroyed by teams that one, we didn't think were very good. And this was Steph Curry still playing games, by the way. And then he breaks his hand. I asked Bobby Marks after getting all of this started, do you think that Golden State's playoff hopes are already done? And he said, yeah, they're done. The playoff hopes bye, especially in the Western Conference. Golden State's not going to win. Crazy, crazy to see the kind of crash that we've seen from that dynasty to see where they are right now. I don't see any November 2nd lines. All I see are November 1st lines. So maybe we'll have to wait until tomorrow to see what the line is. I think it's interesting to know that Steph Curry is worth $40 a ticket. I mean, how often? That's what it is. Yeah. How often do we get, you know, kind of that analysis there? How, how much a player is worth to, to the price of the ticket. And, you know, obviously a lot of that has to do with Steph's greatness. I'm sure Kemba was probably worth more than that to the Charlotte Hornets, but maybe not $40 total, but more in terms of percentage because of how, Mm -hmm. how much he represented, how exciting that team was last season. Not the case this season where everybody's eating. So Doug, I have an interesting question for you. The Charlotte Hornets beat the Chicago Bulls on opening night, 126-125 for the first win of the season. It got ugly in the second half against Minnesota. It got ugly in the fourth quarter against the Lakers. It kind of got ugly against the Clippers in the fourth quarter. In the third quarter, really, yeah, against the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, in the second half, you're right. So then they fell to one and three, but then they beat the Sacramento Kings, and now they're two and three. I feel like if you would have told me, Walker, the Hornets have a chance to be two and three in the first five games of the season. I take that and I run with it. They're going to go up against Golden State that is extremely depleted and they have a really good shot with a couple days rest, by the way, to win that game and move to three and three on the season. 
Doug, this is a team that's supposed to be tanking. This is a team that's supposed to be bad. I ask you a ridiculous question at the beginning of November. Are the Hornets too good? Are they going to win too many games? (laughs) Here we go. Uh, (laughs) Well, they're not supposed to do anything, right? All they're supposed to do is develop their players and, and play hard every night. I mean, that's what we wanted to see. If that happens to end up being a victory for the Hornets, it does, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, that's that's the thing I've been most encouraged by in these five games: win, lose. They've been playing very tough. It's just it's clear that the Hornets are are one of a a group of teams this season that just simply cannot defend. And when they run up against an offense that is as poor as Sacramento, they're going to they're going to win those games. And when they run up against, I think even an average offense, uh, and that, and that may be we may get a look at that against against Golden State because even without Steph Curry, I, I, maybe they are a below average offense or maybe they're an average offense. That's what I, I really want to see this team up against an average offense and see and see how they defend and and if they can get a victory. Um, but they're not supposed to lose. I mean, they're supposed to play as hard as they can. Sure. Well, of course, right? It's the classic, it's it's the saying that organizations tank, but players don't. Front offices, not not even coaches do they tank. I'm sure they're trying to win, but maybe word from the front office says, hey, why don't you not play Devontae Graham, who is on fire right now? You look at Golden State, Doug, have you taken the time to look at this roster? And it's bad. If you actually look at what they're doing, what they're putting out there on the court, it was Steph Curry, but not him anymore. Broken now hand. it's D'Angelo Russell, Eric Paschal, Willie Cauley-Stein. Paschal's played back. well, though. Yeah, okay, but come on. Give me a little something here. It's Eric Paschal is starting for you. I don't Willie know who Cauley he is, Stein. but he's playing well. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing, yeah. but I just hear that he's playing better than you would expect someone named Eric Paschal to play. Glenn Pascal. Robinson the third. Draymond Green, Draymond Green is the the sixth leading scorer for this team. Damian Lee, Jordan Poole, Marquise Chris, Amari Spellman. Hey, good God. It got bad for them. It got real bad for Golden State. Well, this is a team that over the past several years has sacrificed having anything resembling depth in order to acquire star talent because they bet that if they had three or four Hall of Fame level players on their team that on a given night they were going to be able to play them enough and keep one or two of them on the court at all times, and they would beat you. And they would, by by virtue of their greatness, they would make other players great. And then, of course, they didn't take into account personality, which how can you? That's so difficult. Psychology, they bring in Kevin Durant, him and uh, and Draymond Green, they they don't get along, or they at least they have some issues and and even the Kevin Durant ad- admitted, I think yesterday on on first take, that it was part of the reason he left. And so, it, you know, Clifford, uh, former head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, Steve Clifford, always used to say that uh, he always used to discount chemistry and say, I don't care if these players, you know, go out to dinner and have a good time. They just have to play well together on the court. But I think more and more in the era of player empowerment, players want to play with other players they like to play with. You know, I was listening to the Low Post podcast, and Jeff Van Gundy said the exact same thing. Zach Lowe, when he had Jeff Van Gundy on, Van Gundy was discussing that same very thing, that chemistry doesn't matter. He doesn't care if anybody's friends off the court. He doesn't care if anybody goes out to dinner together. And Zach Lowe was arguing against it, and I kind of agree with Zach Lowe a little bit more. I I think that it has to matter somewhat. I think you have to like the guy you're pat. I think it has to help 
liking the guy you're passing the ball to rather than not liking the guy you're passing the ball to. I think that has to matter a little bit. And I wonder if it matters as your team accelerates in terms of greatness, like how many great players you have on the team. I wonder if if chemistry matters more when you do have two or three all-stars on your team as opposed to this the Hornets team, for example. They just got a, a bunch of young guys that are trying to get burned, trying to make each other better, trying to 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 play well. And I don't know if they're as concerned with, oh, well, I like this guy, I don't like this guy. Um, but when you're talking about a lot of egos, I yeah. think it might start to matter even more. Well, and when you go through really tough times, let's say you go through a seven-game losing streak and it's really easy to point fingers or if you have enough chemistry build to where you actually have a good camaraderie with the people you're playing with, then you can say, you know what, we've got to stick together. I, I think that stuff matters. So I ask you the question, could the Hornets win too much? You've got Golden State. We got way I, off I track could, of that question, but I like that I, conversation. I, right, I do too. Golden State, you could go to three and three. Doug, Indiana has struggled. In fact, Indiana has struggled so much that they lost to the Pistons twice without Blake Griffin, who didn't even make the playoffs in your personal record book, and they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers by double digits. So the Pacers are struggling. Now, they did just come off a win on the road against the Nets, but it's a Pacers team that certainly has not gotten off to a good start. You have the Boston Celtics after that. Then it's New Orleans at home without Zion Williamson. It's just... I'm just saying we could be in a situation where they get off to a much better start. You're right. They're not going to win too much. This is a crazy conversation. We've gone bonkers, but it is going to be hilarious to see them possibly have a winning record if they beat Golden State and they beat the Indiana Pacers who have not been playing good basketball. Well, well, let's look at the, just really quickly before we go to break, let's look at the things that have gone incredibly right for the Hornets to go two and three because they easily could be 0 and 5 had Devontae Graham not been been playing at a most improved player level. And I went through the numbers on the last show. He's top 10 on pick and roll ball handler plays and on pull-up jump shots. You have uh, P.J. Washington out of nowhere making a case that he could be in the rookie of the year conversation while getting huge minutes for this basketball team. So, Look, if the Hornets somehow trip and fall into the eighth uh, position in the Eastern Conference playoff by year's end, that means that both of those things are still happening. And you, mm-hmm. I mean, on some level, I know you want a first round pick. Or you want a first overall pick. I know you want a, a generational player that could turn this franchise around. I get all of that. But on some level, if that were to happen, you have to be excited because that means you've got money in the bank. It means things are working. It means that I don't think it's going to happen, by the way. I think things are going to return to the mean. I agree. I agree. I completely agree with you. But it means things are working. It means that whole talent development thing. It means that whole making sure that the young players grow within the organization thing that Borrego was brought in to do. It means that's working because it's not like you can say Marvin Williams is putting this team on his back. It's not like you can say Nick Batum, this veteran basketball player, is putting the team on his back. It's not like Terry Rozier has been putting the team on his back. They're young players that are producing right now and helping the Hornets win basketball games. I can't believe we just had that conversation. You know what my favorite part about this time of year is? It's sweater weather, leaves on the ground, and threes from downtown. That's right for some. It's fall season, but for the rest of us, it's ball season. Pro and college ball are tipping off, and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together 
for a much bigger payout. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. You pay $100, you get $100. It's really that simple. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, no spaces, all one word, LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. We'll have a little bit more of the Warriors and Hornets preview right after the break. This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered, <laughs> B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The, yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Got some numbers here for you, Walker, on just how well the Hornets overall have been shooting from beyond the arc. It is unprecedented. Give them to me, Doug. What do we got? So the team right now is shooting 55.8% effective field goal percentage. That ranks them third in the NBA. Since 2004, the Hornets have finished no higher than 17th that was in the 15-16 year that they last made the playoffs. They finished no higher than 17th in the NBA. So right now they are scorching hot from beyond the arc. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. What Devontae is doing, what P.J. Washington is doing, even Malik Monk got going a little bit in this last game. Cody Zeller actually hitting some threes. It's, yeah, they're, they're chucking them up from deep. And th- this offense is playing so well, and they're actually dead last in free throw rate. So they're not even getting to the line. I mean, it all is just on how well their tops in the NBA right now in three-point shooting, and it has propelled their offense. Well, you bring up the free throw stat. It reminds me of Dwayne Bacon. And Dwayne Bacon, we talked about him yesterday, to keep that same energy, even though I don't think anybody wants to keep that same energy. We want Dwayne Bacon to play well. But, Doug, I saw a graphic from NBA Math on Twitter. They like to put these total point added graphics out. They're always a lot of fun because they put all of the NBA players in there in some instances. Sometimes they do filter it out to wings and they've got just a big graphic. And basically, if you go horizontally, the further you go right, the better offensively you've been this year. And then if you go vertically, the further you go up, the better defensively you've been this year. That's true. You don't foul if you go vertical. Yeah, don't, don't reach your hands out, reach them up. Classic fundamentals, kids. Dwayne Bacon <laughs> on this graphic is all the way towards the left bottom. Not I mean, good. So, so he is quite literally, according to according to NBA math, total points added. He is offensively the worst player in the NBA right now. Defensively, he's pretty far down, but there's still a lot of players worse than him. In fact, if you want to go to the worst players defensively so far this season, according to NBA math and its total points added metric, Devonte Graham is only better than James Harden and Eric Gordon on defense this year. Dwayne Bacon, the worst offensive player in the league right now, Devonte Graham, the third worst player defensively. That was loud. Did you hear the fire truck that just went by. I did. You okay? <laughs> yeah, I think I think okay. That was really loud. That was right there in my face. So Devontae Graham, keep that Dwayne same Bacon, energy. Yeah, keep that there. Boy, 
That was a lot of energy. So Dwayne has been really bad. Can he get out of the slump against Golden State? How would, if you're Coach Borrego, how do you get Dwayne Bacon out of the slump? Well, time's running out. Right. Because, I mean, the Devontae Graham is putting the pressure on. Like if Dwayne Bacon were in this slump and Devontae Graham were not playing as well as he was playing. Well, first of all, I think they would probably one and four or oh and five. But also, uh, I think it just would not there wouldn't be as much pressure on Dwayne Bacon at this point. But you're, you're already seeing Devontae Graham eat into his minutes. But if you're Dwayne Bacon, I, I don't know what you can do other than keep shooting and stop hurting your team by turning the basketball over. Like that's to me, that's been the big deal, like turning the basketball over and then uh, also not playing defense and not, not being physical and blocking guys out on the, and, and allowing offensive rebounds. Like those little things I think are, are, are what's eating into his minutes because Devonte Graham is not playing great defense either, but his offense is so magnificent that, that it, it counteracts that a little bit, but nothing good right now is happening, happening for Dwayne Bacon. And, you know, it's a tough situation, but but all he can do is keep playing his game. I mean, it's a game that we've seen work before. Devontae Graham has been really bad on defense. In fact, probably we were talking right before we started recording. He has been worse than Malik Monk on defense, but he's been so good offensively. Whereas when Malik Monk was bad on defense, he also wasn't hitting shots and Malik had to go to the sideline. Devontae Graham has been exceptional. In fact, you look at the assists, he's averaging seven and a half assists per game. We know about him averaging double digits the worst shooting night. It was an awful one against the Lakers, but he has been shooting extremely well. And, and Devonte has made up for some of the bad defense that he's given out there because he's just playing so well on the other end. Dwayne Bacon can't say that he's been playing well on either side of the floor. Well, that's another problem for Dwayne Bacon as well is that so much of his offense is leveraged on his own performance. Whereas Devontae Graham is also getting others involved. But that's Devontae Graham's role. I'm not criticizing Dwayne Bacon for not getting others involved, honestly, because I don't think that's his role on this team. You have to have players in your lineups that can go and get a bucket for themselves, and then you have other players that that distribute for others. It's clear Dwayne Bacon's mandate was put your head down, get to the rim, finish at the rim, or get fouled, and when you're open for three, pull up, knock it down. He just hasn't done any of those things. And so when your offense is so heavily leveraged on your own performance and that performance is lacking, you find yourself in the position that, D- that Dwayne Bacon finds himself in. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at free throw attempts for Dwayne Bacon every single game. I mean, Dwayne Bacon, he's only going to the line two and a half times per game. And so when you look at I mean, that's the same as P.J. Washington, that's less than Terry Rozier. It's less than Devontae Grant. And I wonder, I wonder if there's something, I wonder if there's something technical that they can see in film that the coaching staff can work with him on, because we kind of saw that with Kimball Walker too. There were, there were years where Kimball Walker would drive and wasn't getting the benefit of the doubt from the referees. And then he started working on finishing around the rim, actually focusing on finishing around the rim. And you saw his free throw rate rise in the final two seasons that, that he was in Charlotte. And so I just wonder if there's something that they can go look at and say, all right, Dwayne, you know, until your shot gets back, here's, here are some things that you can try to do to get yourself to the line a little bit more often so that you can contribute offensively. Look, we just dumped on Dwayne Bacon so hard. I don't want to continue to do that. I hope he gets better. It's no, been th- bad. Here's the and, thing. I'm, and, I'm like, not, I'm, you're just, you're looking at the numbers. And no, that's I, what I, say. I feel yeah. bad for him. And, <laughs> and hopefully he is able to pull this thing out of the tailspin in time because right now mm-hmm. Devontae is outplaying him 
And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you imagine that Graham's performance and P.J. Washington's performance at some point will return uh, to the mean, will we'll come down a little bit. And, and hopefully Dwayne is able to, to make that rise just as they're coming down. I think that would be good for this Hornets team. If you're the Warriors and this is a team that has massively been, it, it's been massively disappointing, even to the tempered expectations that everybody came into the season with, do you seriously consider sitting Draymond Green? Are you, is it tank city already, Doug? What do you do if you're the Golden State Warriors? I know he was dealing with some injury issues as well. So I think, yeah, if there's anything going on with his body at this point, I think you have to seriously consider um, if not, or at least letting him rest, because I think at this point they're like, you have to put eight bodies, like you have to put eight qualified bodies on the floor or at least on the bench. And, and I think they're coming up to that point where they're, they're a little bit lacking in terms of people that they can put out there. So I don't know what they do at this point. It's a very difficult situation for Steve Kerr, who has, he's had a good for a long time, folks talk about, you know, a little karma here. I mean, it's it's coming around on him after he's had, he's had a pretty sweet gig for a long time, um, but uh, yeah, I think you do consider it. I think if you're the Hornets, you got one job, then uh, that's to keep Devonte Graham and others uh, away from D'Angelo Russell on defense and make sure that Terry Rozier is guarding uh, D'Angelo Russell at all times because that's the only offensive threat they have, and uh, you you just want to try to limit what he can do. I wonder if we get a big game from Cody Zeller because it's not often that we can say this, but it looks like the Hornets might have a significant size advantage and and they have Willie Cauley Stein that comes back, but he's a twig. He's not very strong. Cody Zeller has proven that he's gotten stronger as he's been in the NBA. And how about the rebound numbers Cody Zeller has put up? I think we've been all fascinated with the role that he's been in offense, but look at the rebound numbers, Doug. So against the Bulls, it was 12 rebounds and then going forward, 12 rebounds, 14, 13, and 15 rebounds. So he's averaging 13 and a half rebounds per game. That's crazy. Well, looking back at some of the starting lineups that Cody Zeller has been a part of, he's often been paired with Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and Kidd Gilchrist would steal some of those rebounds away from Cody Zeller. Right now, he's, you know, Dwayne Bacon has not stepped up into that role of, of MKG in terms of the, the level of rebounding that he provided. And so Cody Zeller is benefiting from that. I don't think the team is benefiting, although against Sacramento, and I think if you, you put Sacramento's lineup and, um, and Golden State's lineup next to each other, they're, they're pretty similar in terms of size and height. So I think they'll, they'll enjoy the same kind of advantages they had against Sacramento, against Golden State. And they actually out-rebounded Sacramento. It was a, a big surprise. But th- this team is undersized. The Hornets are undersized. And they've got you know, to be physical. And the wings have to be physical. And, and, and put a body on a body and make sure that you make it difficult on the other team to go and grab an offensive board. By the way, on top of the 13 and a half rebounds Cody Zeller is averaging, he's also shooting 52% from the field and 40% from three on two and a half attempts per game. That'll do, Cody. That'll do just nicely. He's given them a nice put-back offense option um, that that I think has helped steady the ship at times when the offense starts to drag a little bit or starts to find find itself in the mud um, offensively. I think he's, he's had a put-back game that has really steadied them. All right, we have a Patreon page where you can support our podcasting efforts and get more Hornets content, patreon.com slash LOH. For just a buck, you can help keep our hive alive. In case there's anything you missed during the week, we got you covered on the other side of the break. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast.
Yeah, no, like I know. Yeah, no, I definitely. Sorry, Martin. I didn't know you were tossing me there. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that. Was I, that a me problem or you a problem? Were you just not listening, or were, was I just did I didn't set you up? Oh, I totally wasn't. Li- well. I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're ending each week reviewing some things you may have missed this week. Maybe it was on the show. Maybe it was out in the world where we just didn't talk about it. And we wanted to make sure we got to it at some point before this week ended. So here we go. In case you missed it on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Bathe and Purell. <laughs> that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer giving uh, you, Walker, some advice on how to stay healthy. You've been sick this week. How are you feeling? You, you seemed uh, like you're recovered. I, I, I feel like I recovered yesterday. I feel pretty good today. There was one time I had to blow my nose and I got scared, but it was only one time. So I think I've been good. Thursday and Friday have been my recovery days, but it was bad Monday through Wednesday. That's a good question because you are the radio professional. For those that are listening for the first time, Walker also hosts uh, the wake up call on ESPN Charlotte, ESPN 730 on your dial. Uh, Walker, what is the worst bodily function you have accidentally performed near a microphone? Actually, nothing. Um, I actually can. So I can control all the mics because I am in the producer's chair. So I haven't done anything too bad. There have been a couple of silent burps, but not enough to be audible to anybody. So I've managed to steer clear from a lot of that. Maybe some sniffles, which is unattractive, but I've been pretty good. In case you missed it, Dave McMenamin on Twitter tweeting, hearing that LeBron James has sent a taco truck to feed lunch to the first responders fighting the Getty Fire today at their base camp. James this morning had this to say about their efforts, quote, it's an amazing job what they do and their commitment with what's going on right now, unquote. I put this in in case you missed it because I have been hard on LeBron James for some of the stuff that uh, was surrounding the, the China issue. So I wanted to be fair, get something good guy LeBron James. There's no question uh, that he is um, uh, definitely involved in his own community and in the, the affairs of the United States as well. And and as well as this was uh, on Tuesday that he did this. Of course, we all know LeBron James and his fascination with Taco Tuesday. So pretty fun thing. Also turning into a charitable donation. Pretty cool to see LeBron James do that. We also had Nate Duncan on earlier this week. What soundbite do you have in an In Case You Missed It segment? All right. Maybe you guys will even give me nine seconds per answer next time, huh? (laughs) Yeah, we did eight with Nate. And he wanted, uh, you know, listen, uh, all, all, uh, all cheers to Nate, who came on. He's not known for his brevity. We shortened him down. We put him in a box, and he just crushed that box. He wanted to go nine with Klein, and then we thought of ten for Ken. He's got to stick with eight with Nate because it just works. And unless he wants to legally, if he goes so far as to legally change his name, then we'll change the segment. Unless you do that, then this is how we're going to do it, Nate. We do Rules are rules, time, buddy. Though. You're on our oh. show now. <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk about that didn't happen on the show, I was watching the Hawks in the Heat game last night, Doug, and the Kendrick Nunn experience has been absolutely insane. He currently logs the most points by an undrafted rookie in the first five games in NBA history. He has the most points by a Miami Heat rookie 
in the first five games in franchise history, and he's the first player with 100 points in the first five NBA games since Kevin Durant did it in 2007-2008. This guy was undrafted out of Oakland. Crazy what he's doing on the basketball court right now. Yeah, you mentioned Kevin Durant there uh, also with 100 points in the first five NBA games. There's only two players who have more points than Kendrick Nunn in the first uh, in the first five games. Uh, that's Kevin Durant and go heels, Jerry Stackhouse. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, man, he had, did he average 30 points per game like in his second year or first year in the league? I forgot about Jerry Stackhouse. People forget about Stack, man. They, you know, yeah, he, was, he was an incredible scorer until injuries limited what he could do in the NBA. He was he was dirty. All right. Also, uh, we had this exceptional analysis on PJ Washington and the way that he can defend down low. What's the sound bite there, Doug? Big old booty. Got a big <laughs> old was, booty. Got a that nice. Was great. He uses it. Physical. That was that was exceptional. Uh, when you look at uh, suck on them, that's what we've got here. I don't remember this. What is this, Doug? Oh, wait. So, uh, but in case you missed it, before we get to that uh, soundbite, uh, in case you missed it, uh, you have to check out, it was just Halloween <laughs> last night. The Wizards had a Halloween party. John Wall and Bradley Beal show up to this Halloween party. They're both Joker. So it's the Spider-Man meme come to life, except it's the villain version. They both show up. They're both Joker. Uh, but they're both different versions of Joker. John Wall showing up as the Dark Knight Joker and it looks like Bradley Beal was the Suicide Squad version of Joker. But they both showed to the party. It's like, wait a minute, come on. Can't, did we, did, didn't you get, I told you I was going to be, and then you, oh my God. Who did the better job? Who would you give the award to if you were giving out a costume contest award? I like that John Wall not only came as the Joker from Dark Knight, but he picked a particular scene and showed up in the nurse's costume that, oh, okay. that Joker wears cool. during the scene where he meets... Uh, Two-Face, which someone brought this up Spoiler. on Twitter. Uh, it's always funny in that scene when Joker walks into the hospital room <laughs> that Two-Face is in. And Two-Face, like, doesn't... Uh, Harvey Dent, I guess, he's not technically Two-Face yet, but he had just been scarred, which results in him becoming Two-Face. Um, but he, he doesn't... So he walks in, Joker walks in with a, like, nurse's mask on, like a medical mask on, and then Joker slowly takes off the mask, and it's not until he takes off this mask, again, he's got the makeup, it's, it's obviously Joker, but it's not until he takes off the mask that Two-Face loses it, at realizing <laughs> that it's the Joker. But like, how yeah. do you not know? Like, is it, how do you, maybe he was woozy from the surgery, but I don't, I don't All right. know. I, I, I skipped right over the Washington Wizards Halloween party because I saw suck on them and I don't know what that is. So why don't you play that? That's what I was fixated on. No, they're not dissolving tablets. You you let them rest in your mouth. Mm, okay. okay. Yeah, that's great. All right. That's how we're going to suck on it. That's how we're going to Oh, gonna no, you stepped on it. You missed oh, the punch. <laughs> you missed the punchline. No, they're not dissolving tablets. You you let them rest in your mouth. Okay. It's you suck on see. them. <laughs> That was uh, yeah. Still. I was trying. I was trying to. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to give sure. you advice uh, for for how to uh, properly use a a throat lozenge. Yeah, the, the point still stands. I didn't even need to step on it. The point still stands there. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We'll be back Monday to recap the weekend that was in Charlotte Hornets basketball. Mm-hmm.